um, at the time. Oh, there you go. Nice. Um, and I, anytime Amanda spent the night, it was like uh, we, we shared my, my small twin bed. <laughs> so romantic. I know. <laughs> and then, like, it's funny. Like, me and Amanda moved in with each other, like, a couple months with, with knowing each other. Oh, damn. Um, and it didn't, wasn't like, you know, like, oh, let's move in together. It's like, because she was living, Amanda was living on her own because her roommate moved out. So she was trying to pay rent by herself. Yeah, My mom, just, you know, things, it was a little tough for her at the time. So, like, she needed a little extra money. It's like, well, Amanda needs a place for cheap. You need extra money. We have a spare bedroom. <laughs> so, like, it, it was honestly like, what was that? That is my son. Oh, it was like a dinosaur. Yeah, he is um, very cranky today. Hi, buddy. Well, if you need to take any breaks, just do what you got to do. Okay. I hope. Can I get just... Oh, go ahead. No, I said I hope he's reading Persepolis. <laughs> uh, Lane is actually. <laughs> okay. She loves. She loves. I mean, she's not actively taking in the. Uh, geopolitical quagmire that is the Middle East, but um, next she likes the pictures. And next, passes. next she'll have to read Mouse. Yeah. <laughs> Can I get you something, buddy? You just want to grunt. Adorable. <laughs> Super adorable. Yeah. Uh, I found out fun fact this weekend. Uh, a fr- good friend of mine. Uh, she, uh, her name is Kate. She actually married me and Amanda. She came into town. Oh, okay. She's actually a medium. I don't know what you believe in, but you know, she, she's a medium. It's a, it's a, it's a gift that she has, but she brought her baby with too. Uh, cause she, okay. like, two weeks ago she gave birth. So she came to do Ooh. a reading in the house and everything to check on Josh. Um, you know, okay. see what happened there. Um, but then she also brought her baby and it was really funny. Cause like I said, I don't know what all you believe in, but suppose the animals are very sensitive to to energies and paranormal and as our babies and since she's and she's got this gift her child probably will too and it was really amusing having all three in a room together the baby <laughs> was being was just not having it frankenstein did not know who to console because every <laughs> weird energies from everyone sure, so she's yeah. running all over the place and then she's very distrustful of the baby uh because <laughs> it's like she's staring at the baby at one point and being like okay you're a tiny human but why don't you pet me <laughs> and she just could not figure out the point of it. And then it became the point where the, where Frankie became very protective of the baby. Anytime someone to go pick it up, pick the baby up, Frankie was like right there. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, <laughs> it was a really weird situation. But um, we just had a medium at the theater actually, and uh, I've interviewed her and one other medium in the past through the station. Um. I don't have a strong belief in it, but I I don't have a strong like belief against it either. No, um, I, I get that. I'm actually, Amanda's kind of the same way, but of ghosts. She's like, okay. I'm not, she's like, I'm not saying I don't believe in them. I just don't. I don't want them to be real. <laughs> so she, she, it's not that she doesn't believe. She just doesn't want it to be true. So sure. it's like a whole thing. But no, like I, I think the whole the whole thing of it is is pretty fascinating, and it made my mom feel better. So. Oh, good. That's um, one of them that I really enjoyed the interview, uh, Roland Comtois. Um, He was a nurse prior to um, being a professional medium. Mm -hmm. Um, And his whole thing was like, you know, believe in it, don't believe in it. Um, At the end of the day, the majority of the people that I work with uh, feel better and, and, and feel healed by the process and that's what he's trying to do yeah and it's fascinating too because like there's something there uh because there's been enough of s- similar reports of the way people feel and everything for like i don't know it's that's one thing that i find fascinating about the world is there's so many things that we just can't explain we don't know yeah and it's like the easter bunny we'll never know <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Why does he lay eggs? He doesn't even I, have a cloaca. I've or maybe never, he does. I've never, never been figured that out. I don't know why, what eggs and a bat, rabbit, what they have to do with each other, and then there's Jesus involved. It's a whole thing. Yeah. But uh, but no, I'm glad we get to do this episode because this is this. Yeah. Well, one one, it's 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 a pick me up anyway because even though we don't talk about our own personal feelings a whole lot, it feels like therapy for me. Where That's it feels good. like realistically, if yeah. we wanted to get something off our chest, we could. 
My chest is much lighter. Yeah, like, you know, I'm not going to make this a whole PSA about, you know, uh, anti-drug use, but, you know, (laughs) if I wanted to, we've got a platform. We we have that platform, right. Exactly. Uh, Plus, today's my first day back to work in a week, so, like, I need (laughs) need something (laughs) to get me through that as well. Uh, Well, I've I've been thinking about you and your family, and... We appreciate it. I... Haven't been through one quite that personal, but it's, it's it. Um, you know, I'll probably cut most of this out, but like, um, so my dad passed away in 2012. Okay. Um, May 7th, 2012, and then let's see how many years apart is that? That's six. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, May 8th, my brother passed away. Okay. So it's just like a one-two punch of those two days, like that kind yeah. of stuff. Like yeah. Monday, we were we all went out to dinner to like you know celebrate my dad, and then the next day I got a call. Ugh. One thing that she kind of feels better about though, after talking to my 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 medium friend, is she kind of put it in perspective a little bit because my father also died at home, ironically okay. in the same room. Oh. Um. You know. So she. You know. They pretty much said that. You know. He was there, kind of guiding him and. Um, you know, him passing at home ultimately was better than him being at someone's house and we just got a call in the middle of the night and then we'd have to go to some morgue to ID his body. Right. So it's like right. at least a place of comfort. So it's like, oh, well, that makes a little bit more sense. D- given the demons that he was presumably up against, it, it, yeah. Yeah. But on the plus side, not that there's a plus side. I'm just trying to do a very ham-fisted segue. <laughs> we have this show. And this That's show right. makes me feel better. So, And plus, watching you eat a donut is really funny because you're really struggling to not, like, have the cream, like, explode out on you. I'm also still eating as if I have a full beard, so I'm very, like... <laughs> I, like I, I used to do that, too. But then, like, I, I, got, I just started to, like, ah, if it's there, it's there. As my dad used to say, you're saving it for later. <laughs> a little snatch snack. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but now that we're both oiled up, let's actually get to the episode. Labyrinth. All right. Uh, let me get to my intro. Warning. This movie podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements. Endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael Virus, and with me, finally, uh, with who is ah, I messed that up. I wanted to add a finally, and I messed it up. Let me just start over again. And, and I, I will take it from the top. Yeah, take he- two. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael Virus, and with me, as always, with the self-proclaimed nickname Prince of the Land of Stench. <laughs> Nick Richards. Uh, I couldn't Recognize. find a way to, to add that joke and finally in, so I wanted the joke instead because it's the type of person I am. You go, <laughs> who, who is finally the chain? Yeah, no, <laughs> you're right. Um, for those of you uh, who who listen every week, I know we had a little inconsistency with our release schedule. I had a family tragedy. Nick has been busy, so we didn't really mean for it to be like. Uh, you know, like, between our last episode, like, our Guilty Pleasures episode, like, and then to my personal, like, the, the Bloodhook episode, it was, like, some weird spacing in between it, uh, like, between our last three episodes, but, you know, we're trying to get back on that. We are consistently inconsistent, and we've still put out the right amount of episodes, so I call that a victory. Yeah. Like, ultimately, it's going to work. Uh, for those of you who have been waiting for The Godfather, it's still not going to happen yet. It's our new Buffy. I'm yeah. so glad we have a new Buffy. Uh, God- I, I promise it'll be the next episode. I don't promise. <laughs> Godfather will happen eventually, as will our double feature. That's right. Which is, I, I want to get past Godfather so we can get to the double feature. <laughs> yep. And then, of course, you know, Repo Man and whatever else we come up with. But... 
Uh, this was a special request from Nick because he had never seen this movie. On today's episode, we'll be talking about a personal childhood favorite of mine, Jim Henson's Labyrinth. Woo! Uh, directed by Jim Henson from a script penned by Terry Jones, which wasn't that the, char- the character's name from Batman Beyond? I don't know. All right, well, regardless. Which one was Beyond? Uh, that was the one where like Bruce was super old and like he got the younger kid who d- voiced by Will Friedle to be Batman for him. Is this an animation? Yes. Oh, okay. It, it was on that when I was cool. a kid, so Saturday okay. morning type stuff. Gotcha. Whatever. Will Friedle <sighs> was Batman for a little what for a little bit. He has an online show right now where oh, yeah. he paints D and D minis. Okay, I'm down. <laughs> yeah, so that's what he's up to. <laughs> Whatever, man. Kim, he's got that Kim Possible money. He doesn't need anything else. <laughs> What's the sitch? <laughs> Call me, beat me if you need to reach me. Uh, <laughs> Labyrinth. Boy, if that if that line doesn't date that show, I don't know what does. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but anyways, we're not here to talk about Will for Dale. That's our other show that we do in we, private and don't record. <laughs> We always talk about every show is about Will Friedle. Do you think we could get Will Friedle on this show? I think we could. Like, I think we need to get Will Friedle and we need to talk about Trojan War. Yeah, okay. Have you seen what, that movie? What was, I did not see Trojan War. Trojan no. War was like a 90s sex comedy with him and the girl from I Know What You Did Last Summer. Uh, what was her name? Uh, lead actress uh, of those movies. Uh, um... Uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt? Yes, her. Uh, and it was all about Will Friedle trying to get laid, but he couldn't find any fucking condoms, so it became like a big wacky adventure of him all around, I think, L.A. to find condoms. That's um, amazing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or we could do uh, My Date with the President's Daughter. Wow, I know a lot of Will Friedle movies. I don't, yeah. I, how do I not? I, I know his stint on <laughs> the uh, D&D uh, web series Critical Role. Well, two different two different areas that we're coming from with this. That's totally something that everyone knows. <laughs> um, and then we still need to get Butch Patrick, but you know, eventually yes. I'll get around to emailing these people, and, and <laughs> then they'll send me their fees, and I'll have a little heart attack. But you know. dear Butch, how Butch are you? <laughs> <laughs> On a scale of one to really Butch. Oh, <laughs> uh, that'd be great. But anyways, uh, we're here to talk about labyrinth. As I said, <laughs> it's directed by Jim Henson from a script penned by Terry Jones. Labyrinth tells the story of young Sarah, played by Jennifer Connelly, and her obsession with all things fantasy. Sarah likes to spend her free time with her dog Merlin playing pretend. Her favorite story to recreate? A book that she carries with her everywhere, simply entitled Labyrinth. Sarah's often distracted, and the idea of growing up and having responsibilities doesn't really appeal to her. Star- Sarah. Sarah's stepmother and father go out on the date for a night and expect Sarah to watch her baby brother, Toby. Not wanting to actually care for the child, she and Jess ask for the Goblin King Jareth, played by David Bowie, from her story to take Toby away so she doesn't have to deal with him. We can all relate. Little (laughs) does she know, her wish is granted, and if Sarah wants to get Toby back, she must traverse a dangerous labyrinth filled with colorful characters, monsters, and some puzzling tricks. Labyrinth was met with pretty favorable reviews overall, even though uh, both Siskel and Ebert hated the film. However, the film took on a life of its own and opened up the wonders that is imagination of Jim Henson in a way that the Muppets simply hadn't. Labyrinth is now a timeless classic for many and is known as one of the most iconic film roles David Bowie ever took on. TriStar Pictures announces the collaboration of three extraordinary talents. Jim Henson, creator of The Muppets and Dark Crystal. Ah! Where you go with a head like that? George Lucas, creator of the Star Wars saga. (laughs) And one of the most innovative forces in modern entertainment, David Bowie. Together, they will take you into a dazzling world of fantasy and adventure. There's nothing to be afraid of. A world where anything seems possible, and nothing is what it seems. Everything I've done, I've done for you. 
With the exception of uh, Tesla. Yeah, that's fair. I'd say when people, like, film nerds can name, like, you know, Fire Walk with me, and they'll name The Man Who Fell the Earth, but I feel like uh, most common fans will think either Labyrinth or... The Prestige. The Prestige, thank you. But the amount of people, the amount of David Bowie fans that I know that watched The Prestige and had no idea that that was him... That's impressive was i i've been surprised at that because like even before i saw the movie i knew david bowie was in it okay so what the first well i'll say the first five times because i saw it in the theater during this theater run <laughs> a shit ton of times i wasn't really into david bowie yet i wouldn't have recognized him in a old musician's lineup um it was shortly after that that i started listening to and you realize how interesting his musical career is. It's all over the place. Ah, uh, yep, yeah. <laughs> yep. Like you know, some good, some bad. All of it interesting is the way I describe it. It's yeah. Um, uh, I one time heard this quote when it came to Elvis, but I think it works the same way with musicians like uh, David Bowie and Iggy Pop. Um, uh, if you're not a fan of Bowie, you just haven't heard enough of his stuff yet. That there's something in there that you like. Exactly. You yeah. know, because, like, even people who aren't fans, they can name, you know, uh, Space Oddity and, you know, Rebel Rebel and his hits, but didn't realize all the interesting things he did. And, some, you know, he actually wrote some really great songs in this movie. Was, I thought Rebel Rebel was... Um, Rebel Rebel. That, um... Hold on. Rebel Rebel. Was that him? Yes. Yeah, that's that's him. Who was I thinking of? I don't yeah, know. It doesn't matter. I'm thinking of somebody else, and I was wrong. So there you go. But anyways, you requested this film because you got a chance to see it on the big screen, which seems pretty fucking yes. cool. Um, so I'm going to take a quick little time out here to talk about this uh, Fathom events. Are you familiar with Oh, yeah. With Mark, Marcus Theaters does. I don't know what theater chain you guys have, but Marcus Theater does them. They're a little pricey, personally, I think, but... It's fantastic. They're, they're, they show great films that you don't normally get to see on the big screen. Yeah. Well, and here's here's the thing about the priciness is it like you go into these theaters, they're not chatterbox full, right? They're not. Uh, there there was a decent one, but they don't run it long enough. There's not enough push to. I I understand the priciness because well, the only reason I complain is because like there was a. Maybe two Halloweens ago, I got a chance to see Jaws in, on the big screen. Nice. And it only cost me $5. But then I saw <laughs> Halloween uh, like a week later, and it was like $15. i am like, what? what the fuck? That's a huge <laughs> jump in price. And I realized because like Turner Classic Movies did the um, um, Halloween screen. But regardless, okay. um, I, I appreciate what they're doing. Um, it's it, if If you haven't checked out the fathom events thing and you're the kind of person who complains that the only thing that there is to see in the theaters is reboots and superhero movies like check these out because it's not just old movies there are some great ones i'm looking at their their uh lineup now um west side story is coming i know vertigo is coming here okay uh jumanji um the producers with Gene Wilder. Oh, that one's coming here too. I've um, never seen that version. They also do things like um, uh, they have an an old Doctor Who episode coming, Genesis of the Daleks, which was a fourth Doctor. I have that episode. on tape on tape somewhere. Oh, do you? Because the fourth Doctor was my favorite. Nice. And I'm pretty sure the other thing that I just saw the other day was a Fathom event. Um, Maybe it wasn't. Um, let me look it up. It's, yes, it was a, a Fathom event. Um, Puffs, the musical, which is um, kind of a, not not spoof, but it's 
referential without directly referencing it for copyright reasons. It's about uh, the Hufflepuff school of Hogwarts um, during the same seven years that Harry Potter is there. Excuse me. But it's like, it's it's telling all of those same stories from a very different perspective. So it's kind of like the Harry Potter version of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Exactly. Um, That's and, a deep poll for any of you listeners out there. Right. Uh, so it, that, that was a musical that they then filmed... And did the you can watch the filmed live version through Fathom. That sounds cool. It was really cool. So so check out Fathom Events. This episode not yet brought to you by Fathom Events, but we will contact them shortly to give us money for this amazing plug. <laughs> and maybe they'll let me see some stuff for free. <laughs> right. <laughs> um but no, anyway, so you got to see Labyrinth on the big screen, which is super yes. exciting. And honestly, I'd say that would be the best way to see it because honestly, I, I don't think I've ever seen it on the big screen. I saw it a lot as a kid on the Disney Channel. Oh, okay. And I got a spe- very specific memory of my in my mind where Labyrinth was on and they had just met the dog Didymus. So it was like it started am- it started to amp up and it was time for it was time for bed. And my mom's like, "Well, you got to go to bed." And at the <laughs> time, I had like a loose tooth. That I was too precious for that I to get rid of, and I was like, "Mom, can I stay up and finish watching Labyrinth?" She didn't know what the fuck Labyrinth was. She's like, "Whatever that is, you can stay up and watch if you let your dad pull that tooth." <laughs> and I was like, "Fine, whatever." The commercial's almost over, so he tied a string around my tooth, put it on a doorknob, did that old trick. Didn't even feel it because I was back on the couch watching Labyrinth. Nice, <laughs> awesome. What you looking at, Nick? Um, I am looking up um, the Jim Henson short film that played before Labyrinth at this event. Was it one of his art house films? It was. Because he he, he had a series of art house films he did before that. Actually, the the app Filmstruck played a bunch of them very recently. It's called The Storyteller. Okay. Oh, no. The Storyteller was a show, apparently. Yep, that was a show. And so they played an episode of this show, The Soldier and Death. Okay. Here's the summary. Um, An honest soldier received a ruby whistle, a comparable dance, an unbeatable deck of cards, and a magic sack for being kind to three beggars. He defeats a bunch of devils by playing cards and catches them in his sack when they refuse to pay up. Years later, the last devil pays his debt by showing the soldier a way to tell if sick people have a chance of recovering or not. After a successful career as a miracle doctor, the soldier manages to trick death itself and trap it in his sack. From then on, nobody died, but people were not meant to live forever, and soon tired old men and women begged the soldier to set death free and put things right. However, death refused to take the soldier, dooming him to roam the earth forever. All Um, right. So that was a fun little surprise that I wasn't anticipating at this film screening. And it was a really cool, super weird, like all of the devils were were strangely Muppet-like, but still very creepy. Um, And death looked kind of like one of the... um, uh, uh, three Ghosts of, of Christmas and the Muppets Christmas Carol with a real, okay, yeah. like, elfin-like child face um, that he could only see through a cup, and so it was always kind of distorted. Um, it's very strange short film. <laughs> well, if you, he actually made, I recommend, he, throughout the fi- late 50s to 60s, he did a lot of short films, him and Frank Oz together, and it okay. was like David Lynch, by the way, The Muppets, where like you could see that he was making some uh, doing some puppet stuff, and it was really surrealistic fantasy films that he was doing, which okay. later played into the stuff he was doing later on. Like uh, we'll actually talk about your feelings on Labyrinth in a second, but like if if someone didn't know the legacy of Jim Henson, and you show them an episode of The Muppet Show, and then have them watch The Dark Crystal or Labyrinth, and say this is the same guy, it's almost like blows your mind a little bit that one yeah, man. The- the only anchor you have there is kind of the there there's something so specific about the puppet work um there you, you you've seen other other art pieces with puppets and it's not the same there's some even Yoda has it obviously yep um 
well, or, you know, original Yoda. Not tiny, like, lightsaber bounce around Sin and Yoda, which I yeah. have huge issues with, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, that stayed consistent. No, Everything exactly. else was a, a whole different world, which was cool to see how much he got to explore. No, and exactly, and it's it's. I grew to really appreciate uh, Jim Henson's sense of humor, where like he knows he's he's doing movie magic and he likes to draw attention to it. Like in the first episode of the Muppet Show, there's a moment where Kermit's panicking about something and he gets thirsty and he drinks a glass of water. The puppet picks up a full glass of water and drinks it, and Kermit looks directly at the camera and says, "Try to figure that one out." <laughs> Take that fourth wall. Yeah. But anyways, what did you actually think about Labyrinth? What did I think about Labyrinth? I I really enjoyed it. Uh-oh. <laughs> the no, infamous the infamous ni- the infamous Nick pause cuz you're trying to be you're trying to be nice. No, it's not that I'm trying <laughs> to be nice, it's I'm trying to put my finger on my feelings. Okay. And overall okay. it was a very positive feeling. But also, there are some moments in this film that, and and this is not at all, and in, in, I'm not intending it to be a negative comment. Some of the absolute most bizarre moments to ever be captured on film happen in this. Movie. Yes, yes, hundred percent. Most notably, David Bowie's music video that happens in the middle of the thing where he's dancing with the goblins. It's a babe. Babe with the power. Power of voodoo. 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 Remind me of the babe. I saw my baby crying for this babe. Could cry. What could I do? And tossing a baby 20 feet up into the air and then not worrying about catching it. Um, if it makes you feel better, it was a fake baby. <laughs> 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 really? I didn't, I didn't. It's very obvious when I watched it on Blu-ray. It's like, oh, that's very obviously a doll. Babies yeah, don't move yeah. that way. <laughs> um, and there's a couple other moments. Um, though there's also like w- when she falls into the hole in the, that hand sequence where they're talking. That one was also super bizarre, but so bizarre that it, he's swimming out in that area where the things that he's doing are either brilliant or totally miss, mm-hmm. I think. And sometimes in this movie he hits brilliant, and sometimes it's off. Um, and, I, I and, fe- and I feel like, because you know, I've seen some of the things that don't work for me necessarily in this film, I've seen other movies, and I feel like the reason they don't work as well in this is because more often than not, He's knocking it out of the park that when something's not a pitch perfect idea, it feels strange. Sure. Or like there's some pacing issues where like, for example, the uh, the eventual um, transformation of Hoggle into a good character, like just at one point just felt like he snapped his finger, like snapped his fingers and like Hoggle's good all oh, of a sudden. Now I'm going to be nice. Yeah. Um, and then like. I, I struggle to believe that a 15 year old is still playing pretend. But I guess that's kind of the point of the movie. Yeah. Um, I, and I guess I when I was a kid, included. when I was a kid, I didn't question it because I had no semblance of age. Uh, but as as an adult, I'm like, I just think like Ven- Jennifer Connelly does not look 15. She looks like she's she's bordering 18 yeah. years old. <laughs> and that's a, a, a common. I, I think nowadays they're doing a better job of finding child actors that are age appropriate where before it was like this, this 50 year old man can totally play an 18 year old. <laughs> but then because I, I don't, okay, let's, 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 let's do a little bit of math here. This movie is made 1986. Uh, Jennifer Connelly is born in 70. So yeah, she's about 16 years old when she made that movie. Okay. Um, can we talk about the, like the, so she was supposed to be 15. She actually is 16. Can we talk about the really weird, relationship between david bowie and her absolutely i think in a lot of ways it didn't seem weird um, as a kid i'm not gonna lie it, it seemed like 
whatever. I think there are a lot of, and, and I'm presuming intentional, undertones of puberty, adolescence, um, sexual awakening of, of this character and uh, a bit of an exploration of uh, trading childish, childlike whimsy for like adult feelings. Yeah. And then like, and I was also confused as a child too, like, cause I didn't, I, I thought David Bowie when I was a kid was just a really butch female. <laughs> <laughs> yeah those tights were really tight <laughs> you, you could see his pulse <laughs> uh, but no like it, it's hard for me to put my finger on why this movie appeals so much to me um i i think like if i had to describe movie magic to anyone like new labyrinth would be my key example of what you can do with the medium because there's that there's that quote from scrubs where jd asked dr cox like well how much aspirin should i give he's like it's aspirin throw a bunch at her and whatever sticks is the right amount that's what this movie felt like it just felt like jim henson was throwing everything he thought was interesting almost like he felt like a young filmmaker who probably thought he would never make another movie again and just throwing everything at the wall and at this this point he's he's a well-established filmmaker too so like he could have he could have made anything um and he's just throwing everything like everything from the weird mc escher like scene near the end which was fucking cool and even to this day i'm like these effects really hold up yeah Uh, and they they tried to do that in one of the nightmare on elm street movies was it five i think dream child yep 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 they they had an escher scene yep and then like even like uh the hand puppet sequence is mesmerizing in a really disturbing way and like and even to think about like how close all these people had to be to each other and to and like uh brian henson jim's son said he just remembers uh, sitting with his father in the mirror, and they're just trying to figure out how many different faces they can make with a couple hands. Sure. I think what really made the overall concept work, you know, it, I think in a lot of fantasy films, a sequence with with hand mouths and eyes would not have worked. And you can say, well, it's Jim Henson, and that's you're going in expecting that, so that makes it okay. But more than that, most of what you saw in this fantasy world had some kind of anchor to her bedroom. Yeah, which I like. Um, and I think the, if I recall, I could be wrong here, but I think I saw a, like a little puppet theater. Um, yeah, but but even if it wasn't there specifically, you could see a puppet theater being there, which all of a sudden makes these hand puppets. It gives it that tie. It would have been something that she was doing in her room because she's into theater, um, and and all this stuff. So then it's if this world is a projection of her day to day life in her room, then hand puppets would make sense. Mm-hmm. No, and then, like, just looking at the Jim Henson influence, it's like, what's the most raw form of puppeteering you can do? And <laughs> um, and then, like, it was this most recent viewing, watching it on Blu-ray on a big TV, that, like, I started noticing all the little things. Like, I always knew that Sarah was the stepdaughter to... I don't even want to say evil stepmother, because she wasn't really evil. She was just like, just watch the fucking kid. Like, yeah. it's not that hard, but... Um, I, but I think in her eyes, being somebody who's anchored in fairy tales yeah she that jennifer connelly's character saw her as evil step mother and then like it what really drove me what drove it home for me this time was was looking at sarah's mirror and seeing all the pictures of sarah's mother yeah on the, like i'd never noticed those before and this is a little detail to get an idea of this connection that sarah has to her mother and what this child essentially represents and it's like there's a lot going on in this film that i feel like some of it kind of gets overshadowed by the spectacle which you know is both good and bad i I feel like um um but it's there to explore for the people that want to explore it but you can just watch it and have a fun romp through the labyrinth um however it is really good stuff so 
uh, the fact that it is so downplayed means a lot of people who would enjoy those deeper uh, elements miss it. Yeah, and it's like you, you watch this movie and are just blown away by all the stuff that are happening. And if I had a complaint is that I, I, I think I mentioned structurally the film was a little strange. Um, it doesn't it, it, it doesn't have a clear beginning, middle, and end. Like yeah. It kind of all just blends together. Um, and then while I, would, I enjoy a majority of the songs, there's some of them that really drag the film down. The David Bowie music video. <laughs> that one I don't think is bad because it's come smack dab in the middle. Um, but like the one that really drags me down, I start losing interest around is uh, the fire guys at the end when they're just like throwing their heads and there's the weird oh, CGI. It, it, it was it was Tweedledee and Tweedledum in, in Alice in Wonderland. It's yeah. just this like you if you pull that scene out of the movie, you would never miss that scene. No, it does absolutely nothing for the film. <laughs> yeah, and then like, or the, like the weird battle sequence at the end, um, like is cool because it's like there's a lot of fucking puppets in this scene. There's a lot <laughs> of puppeteers, but like once again, like it doesn't do anything because I feel like uh, Sarah comes up and reacts to something and runs away. And yeah. um, however, I kind of love that Bluto can call rocks because rocks are yeah. friends. Yeah. Like that, that always amuses me to no end for some reason. <laughs> Don't you want me to rule you, Sarah? <laughs> like, uh, I, I feel like if I w- would have made this movie, I would have kept it uh, between just Hoggle and Sarah, and I don't feel like Didymus or Bluto or any of them were yeah. really needed. Though, uh, which one was the, the little fox that's, thing? D- right that's, that's Sir Didymus. Sir, Sir Didymus. He was fucking amazing. <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. I love the character, and I love, I love Ambrosius, his dog. Yeah. But, but it, like they were, were they needed? Absolutely not. It was <laughs> it was comic relief in a film that didn't need any comic relief. Yeah, like they could have like, because like the comic relief really just comes from how fucking weird the movie is. Yeah, but I do think he's a. a it's not that I want that character removed from the film. Uh-huh. It's that I want him to be more important to the story. Yes, actually, that's a better way to put it. Like, like Bluto is whatever. Like, you know, I, that that doesn't bother me as much. But like Didymus, who has th- reason, has thought, has you know something going on, has a clear job in the labyrinth, yep. is just there to yeah, Ambrosius. Wait a minute! You forget my sacred vow, my lady. I cannot let you pass. You just said Ludo is your brother. <sighs> I have taken an oath, and I must defend it to the death. Okay, let's handle this thing logically. What exactly have you sworn? I have sworn with my lifeblood. No one shall pass this way without my permission. <sighs> well, may we have your permission? Well, I... Uh, 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 <sighs> <sighs> yes. Thank you, noble sir. My lady. Yeah, and and on a thematic level, what does his personality provide Sarah, mm-hmm. or what does Sarah get out of his relate her relationship with him? Yeah. Now, if you go go to the the classic version of this, is the Wizard of Oz. I was just going to mention yeah. that you you have. Uh, the, the scarecrow who doesn't have the brain and the tin man who doesn't have the heart and the lion who doesn't have the courage, though that all is a a reflection of Dorothy's journey mm-hmm. um, and what she either needs to see in herself or, uh, and really I think that's what it is, and that's made evident by when they finally get the gifts from the wizard. He says, you don't need, you know, you don't need a brain, you need a diploma to show people that you have a brain, you know, that you had it the whole time. Yeah. Um, and Dorothy was always had a, her way back home. Um, that, that, that those secondary characters meant something to the story and meant something to the main character on a thematic level. These characters don't really do that. They're just fun sidekicks that follow along her quest. They don't even really save the day at the end. They don't, they don't, do something in the narrative to allow her to confront the goblin king. They just all go in and run around with goblins that she would have ended up 
there. It, it feels like if they weren't there, she would have ended up in the same exact spot. Yeah. Which is a shame because they are such interesting characters. Yeah. And it's like, I think, I think you really touched on, uh, you really hit it well. Um, when you're saying that, you know, um, they don't serve a purpose other than to be fun. And it really is driven home by the like the very last scene where because it's actually kind of a touching scene where she was like, you know, I miss all of you. And it does the mirror trick where they're like, well, we're here if you need us. And like if they would have ended on that, like slightly more hopeful note, I think it would have been more powerful instead of like. Well, I need you now. Really? Party! And Dance then, like, party! Yeah, yeah, and then, like, even characters that weren't her friends are there. And it's like, they're just trying to fit as many puppets what? in every set they can. Right. Like, and it's Very not a complaint, strange. because I, I legitimately love this movie. It's just, I've seen it so many times now that I can start p- picking it apart. Because, like, I absolutely love the movie until it gets to the fiery dance sequence with the guys throwing their heads. <laughs> and then I still like the movie. And then I... I, I love the um the MC Escher scene and then like her weird like dreams Which, of like the the dance like uh the the, the ball dreams yeah, and I, yep. like I I love a lot of it but there's certain Very, parts that 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 dream sequence dance thing is a very big point on my theory about this being uh about like teenage sexual awakening. Like I think that's what that entire masquerade ball scene was all about there's no time like the present so (laughs) tell us your thoughts nick um first off the 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 antagonist the goblin cane he wasn't just trying to steal the baby he was trying to rule sarah yeah Right, it, he could have very easily been a bad guy who just wanted to take the baby and turn it into a goblin. Yeah, he um, took the baby because that's what Sarah wanted him to do. He, and and he was luring her in so that when they are finally confronted, his line is well, there, he has two lines, I believe. One is, um, "Let me rule you," and I believe the other one is, "I could be your slave" or something. There's, he is offering her both options. Yeah. Both sides of the power dynamic in a relationship. Um, also, the fact that you can see both of his nuts anytime <laughs> on camera. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the age that she is, the relationship that she has with the antagonist, um, and, and her choice at the end isn't to go with the Goblin King. But it is a recognition that she feels like she has to grow up at the very least, take care of her brother, her half brother better. Yeah. So it's interesting, especially in our, our current, uh, lens of, of women's rights and feminism that she is choosing to grow up, but not embrace this opportunity of having this sexual relationship to explore that, that, sexual relationship with the goblin king yeah um it it seems like um and, and i haven't flushed all of these ideas out but i i'd like to verify whether or not i heard the goblin king's lines right at the end because i find i found it very fascinating if i was if i heard it right that he was offering her i can be in charge of you yeah or you could be in charge of me yeah like there there's there's a uh a line that I'm trying to find that like, um, you know, where just like, it, it always struck me as really interesting because, um, um, the, the intent of it is interesting. Uh, I think I found it. Um, okay. So I'm just going to read the two back and forth between them. And this, I, and this, I think this kind of plays into what you're talking because it, it's interesting about intent where he, I, I feel like he's there to be whatever she needs him to be. Yeah. I mean, she summoned him. Give me the child. Sarah, beware. I have been generous up until now, but I can be cruel. Generous. What have you done that's generous? Everything. Everything that you wanted, I have done. You asked that the child be taken. I took him. You cowered before me. I was frightening. I have reordered time. 
I have turned the world upside down, and I have done it all for you. I am exhausted from living up to your expectations. Isn't that generous? Through dangers untold and hardships unnumbered, I have fought my way here to the castle beyond the Goblin City. For my will is as strong as yours. And my Stop! Wait. Look, Sarah. Look what I am offering you. Your dreams. And my kingdom is great. I ask for so little. Just let me rule you. And you can have everything that you want. Kingdom is great. Damn. I can never remember that line. Just fear me. Love me. Do as I say, and I will be your slave. And like yeah. that line has always really stuck with me because it it changes his motives. He's not evil, and like even the way he treats the baby now. Thinking about it, where like um, he doesn't care about the baby, like he doesn't necessarily want to harm the baby, but it's right. like it's like well, you know, here's my little treasure until she gets here, and then we can do our thing. The baby isn't his motive, and no, it also plays it like the fact that this entire world is a reflection of her. She created this labyrinth. She created this place from her mind. Um, she's she is putting herself through this. It's not something that someone is doing to her. She has been in charge this entire time. Mm-hmm. Which then puts an interesting spin on another point that I wanted to make, but didn't bring up yet, is um, so the. The sequence in the beginning when she first gets into the labyrinth, the she runs into that worm. And, Hello. Oh, don't go. Don't go that way. Go this way. Oh, she would have went straight to that castle. She would have gone like, straight to the castle. Like my, <laughs> that would have been a short film. <laughs> yeah. Um. And by the my, way, I just have to say that effect of her walking into the wall to this day still hurts my head. It was good. It was fantastic. Um, it, you know, my, my thinking in that moment when I saw it the first time uh, was, why, you know, what a, why doesn't he wall up that one entrance at the very beginning all the way to the castle? But now that we're talking about it through the perspective of this entire labyrinth being a creation of Sarah, then Sarah was given, that's almost Sarah choosing to go through the labyrinth rather than directly to the castle. Yeah. Because she's it, choosing to have the fantasy. Um, it, it's not... She, she At the beginning of this, she's not ready to just go get her brother back. No, she, need, she needs to find something within herself. Because, like, I feel like... Like I said, I don't view Jareth as a villain. Right. Because he's just there. Um, had she wanted the easy way out, she would have found the easy way. Yeah. It, it makes the labyrinth no longer this obstacle that's standing in her way. Now she is the obstacle that's standing in her own way. Yeah, and like she, you know, um, like even when Jareth gets hot, wants Hago to take her back to the beginning, it's because realistically, deep down, that's what Sarah wants. Yeah. She wants, doesn't want to have to do this. And through some moral code, and I, I appreciate that it's never like, man, my parents are going to kill me if I don't get the baby back. She does it because she feels like that's what she has to do. <laughs> oh, man, I'm so dead. So at, at the very end, after she gets back home, the parents come in. Sarah, are you here? She better fucking be there. She's watching <laughs> your kid. Why would you ask that? Are, I know. Are you, did you run out with your friends? What the hell? When they said that, I'm like... <laughs> I almost like shouted out loud in the middle of the theater. <laughs> oh, I, I, that line has always st- been funny to me too, for that exact reason. It's like, it's like a, a curiosity, like, oh, I wonder. Yeah, it's, it's, if you leave your kid with a babysitter, 
be it a stranger or your own daughter, don't walk in assuming that there's a chance that they're not there. <laughs> walk yeah. in assuming that they're there watching your fucking kid. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, you'd hope they were. <laughs> but no, it's funny. As I rewatched this movie recently, like I said, Amanda got me a nice Blu-ray of it very recently. And, like, the only thing I kept thinking is, like, man, if Nick would have seen this movie when he was a kid, I feel like he'd, he, this would have been one of his favorite movies. Yeah. Because I feel it's, like it's one of those movies seen as an adult for the first time might not do it for you as much. You can appreciate it like you do. Yep. Uh, it's same thing of like seeing the Muppets and not having grown up with it. It's impressive, but it's not the same. It, the nostalgia factor. Yeah. it's we've, we've brought it up several times. I think it's inherent in this podcast concept that we came up with. Yeah. We're, what we're really discussing is how much does nostalgia play into the films that we like. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting. It's a cool thing to explore. Yeah, because like, you know, for example, would I love Super Mario Brothers the way I did had I not grown up with it? Maybe there's a chance, but I will never know. Uh, you would because it's a brilliant film. You haven't seen it yet. That's true. <laughs> I'm assuming. <laughs> uh, or like, you know, Star Wars to a lot of an extent. Like I grew up with Star Wars. Would I still feel the same way had I seen it cold for the first time as an adult? Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm so excited for Solo. I am too. I haven't been excited for a Star Wars film like this for a long time. Rob, um, Opie Taylor's directing Star Wars. Uh, and, I, <laughs> and and Childish Gambino's in it. <laughs> yeah. And like and, uh, and uh, the actor that got to play Solo, I loved him in Hail Caesar. All right, let's try this. Your line, just say it as I said. Say your line exactly as I'm about to, just as I'm about to do. Sure. Okay. Would the detour so simple? 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 My dear boy, why do you say that? Why do you say twer? Well, you should say it like I said it. Yes. Would the detour so simple? Would the detour so simple? Would the detour so simple? Would the would the detour so simple? Watch my mouth. Would the detour so simple? Would the detour so simple? Keep your head still. Would the detour so simple? Would the detours so simple? Would the so simple? I'm trying to say that, Mr. Lawrence. Lawrence? Hmm? I thought a minute ago it was Lawrence. No, we can use Christian names, my good dear boy. Lawrence is fine, just as I call you Herbie. Okay. So, would the detours so simple? Would the detours so simple? Would the detours so simple? Trippingly. Would the detours so simple? Trippingly. No, don't say trippingly. Say the line trippingly. Would the detours... Would the detours so simple? Would the detours so simple? Would the detours the same? Would the detours the same? Would the detours Would the detours the same? Rufal, rufal, rufal. Would the detours the same? Rufal simple. Would the detours the same? Would the detours the same? You could say soulful, rufal, soulful. Would the detours the same? Would the detours Would the detours the same? Why are you doing this? Would the detours the same? Just keep still. I, you know, I was watching the trailer for it, and I'm like, oh, they did a pretty good job of of getting a young Hansel. That kind of makes sense. And then after that, I saw, I watched a new Hope Reset. We like put it on for the kids. And I had forgotten how young uh, Harrison Ford looks. Yeah. And, and then I was like, oh, wow, that actually is a great casting. Like he looks a lot closer to young new hope on solo than i had remembered the only thing i'm not excited for the movie and it's not anything against this actor i'm just sick of seeing him pop up and everything woody harrelson oh uh, yeah i'll be interested like i i'm not excited that woody harrelson's in it but i i'm not immediately turned off either yeah i'd be interested to see what he did with it since this episode is now becoming about star wars one thing that interests <laughs> me is i read that since ron howard is a good friend of george lucas that he apparently kept was getting um George's opinions on things as they made the film. I don't know. Okay. How, I don't know if it's true or not, but that's just. Well, didn't didn't they work the together on American Graffiti? Yes, they did. Okay. So like that's the rumor that you know uh, Ron when he when if he because he he also came into this film after they already started shooting. Right. They. I. I heard they had director. Problems. Yeah. The, the guys from the Twenty One Jump Street movies they got fired off the film. <laughs> um. Apparently the producers were not happy. Um, but, you know, Ron Howard had George Lucas on speed dial anytime he had questions about motives and sure. everything. So, But regardless, that's nothing to do with Labyrinth, but it's just a fun little ten, <laughs> ten, tangential moment. Yeah. Um, but no, it's... 
going back to what you're saying previously about the idea of nostalgia and that being kind of like a driving force behind some fandom it's kind of interesting to look into like for example like i'm i I grew up a huge fan of comic books but would i love a lot of these characters the same way had i not grown up with them yeah like everyone loves batman but like if if i had never seen that character before until like today would i i don't know well i i'm having that a bit with with myself and the the Marvel Universe characters, because I was always much more DC Dark Horse image. Um, I I never got heavy into the Marvel Universe okay. growing up. So a lot of the Marvel Universe films that are coming out, like I'm familiar with the characters in this, you know, one stage removed kind of way. Um, but I really I'm not. I'm not connected to the characters at all until I see them for the first time in these. Oh, hold. Little guy. You want a bear? All right, I'll be back. No problem. What do you want? Okay. (laughs) Child's getting hungry. Yeah, I assume. He wanted the money to put in his piggy bank. Kids always want that money. Yeah, he has an Aquaman pity bank. Aquaman. <laughs> it broke. Uh oh. That's not good. Uh, so, I, I, with this movie, since I like I've been going through a lot, I have not really. I did not take any notes okay. with the film. So now I'm just kind of going through uh, some pages and seeing if I can find things to talk about. Because, like, one thing I thought I, I really liked about this film is like what i imagine are are jim henson's influences like you can see the influences for all like the classic fairy tales like alice in wonderland and wizard of oz right. and so on and so forth but then like there's also like this this like gothic romance thing going on with it too <laughs> uh especially with those dance like with that 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 ball sequence masquerade and the ball. masquerade yeah. and all that and um where everyone, I believe everyone was masked except for Sarah and uh, Jareth. Jareth. Yeah. And then, like, it's interesting that, like, as I'm doing a little bit of research on the film, it turns out, like, um, they always wanted a musician in the role. Okay. Like, it wasn't originally going to be David Bowie, like, granted, take Wikipedia Art with Garfunkel. the greatest. That would have been a great film. Because, uh, like, David Bowie wrote the songs, so I imagine whoever, whatever musician they would have got would have wrote the songs. Can you imagine right. Art Garfunkel version of Labyrinth? It'd be so folky and weird. Yeah. Or, like, get James Taylor. <laughs> He's got the voice of an angel, Nick. <laughs> he does. I, I won't deny it. Uh, but, like, apparently, granted, take a Wikipedia, Wikipedia with a grain of salt, but apparently some of the names that they um, they pitched were Sting, not the pro wrestler, but the singer. <laughs> uh prince which would have been a really interesting movie that would have yeah that would have been amazing mick jagger because why not yeah and michael jackson i you know michael jackson it was one of the ones that when you first were talking about i'm like i'm sure michael jackson would have been well and with this whole neverland thing even though it hadn't really manifested fully yet like that childlike you know yeah, kind of like the Wiz. It, you know, it, it would have started to feel more like the Wiz. But can you imagine if we could, like, if Prince would have done this, and we could have gotten like the same caliber of song that we got on Purple Rain? <laughs> like, how great would that have been? I, I would have been down for that. Just saying. Um, but no, like, I, I think, like, I really do think a big part of my. In case anyone's wondering, the sounds you are hearing right now is, in fact, my co-host, Nick. Uh, yes. Hey, Milo, do you want to say hi? Hi. Hi. What's your favorite movie, Milo? Fru. Fru? True in the Rainbow Kingdom? Oh, I thought, he said, I, I thought he said crow. <laughs> Crawl. <laughs> Crawl. <laughs> can you sing it? Mm-mm. That's true. No. No? Okay. <laughs> Okay, it's just me signing it. Okay, can you go upstairs? Go party? Go party hardy, Marty? 
Ooh, what movie is that from? You got a party hardy, Marty. Oh, shit. Uh, fuck. <laughs> I can't remember. I know the line. I can almost picture the person saying it. Oh. What is it? It's Bill Murray. Scrooged. Yes. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> you go upstairs, son, so I can finish my podcast. We'll, we'll wrap up soon so that way he can, you know, go be a father. Do you want to do you want to watch something upstairs? Did True stop? No. Do you, can I put something on upstairs for you? No. No. Okay, I gotta finish this. So if you want to be here, you gotta be quiet. You gotta be quiet. Can you be quiet? It is a green egg. Where's your donut? Do you want to eat your donut? Okay. Why don't you go eat your donut? Why don't you go play in your room? Why don't you go watch TV? Why don't you go set up a three-card money stand on the front sidewalk? <laughs> What's your game? Three-card money. Find the lady. Find the lady. <laughs> oh, that would have been great. Okay. Go upstairs. Just for a couple more minutes, okay? Yeah, be quiet. Okay. All right. We'll try this. Yeah, we will. We will try to wrap up so that way you can, uh, you know, go be a dad and all right. that stuff. But um, no, I'm like, I I really thought you were gonna you're gonna dig the movie a lot more than you do. Not saying you didn't enjoy it, but um, no, I I did enjoy it. I really did. Milo, shut up. That's staying in. <laughs> I really did like the movie. I don't, Milo, dude. Upstairs. No. Yes. All right, then shut up. I know where you go upstairs. That's fine, but you have to be quiet so we can record, okay? Do you go in the living room? Yeah. Go eat some popcorn? Yeah. <gasps> popcorn. I know I popcorn. Okay, then just be quiet. All right. I, I really did enjoy the movie. Um, I, I do think that you're right in that I would have liked it more had I seen it as a kid. But if... But only because of that nostalgia factor. Yeah. I, do, I, I really don't think it's simply because of the childhood imprint. Um, yeah. Watching it as an adult, I recognize that it's magical. I recognize that it's exactly like all of the other films that I love so much from then. Um, it's just, I, I haven't yet had a chance for it to become beloved. No, and I, and and, I got a feeling. Maybe I will. But yeah, I got not. a feeling it's going to grow on you over time, yeah. too. And like I said, I gave it a really high rating part of it because of nostalgia and just because I think it's just amazing to look at. Yeah. There's there's better films that aren't, aren't nearly as creative as this one is. Um, and I also recognize that it's hard to suss out like how much of the my opinion of films that I saw when I was a kid is nostalgia versus just a great film. Yeah, and It's really hard to separate those two things. Yeah. Um, again, that's why I really enjoy the concept of this podcast. It's it's interesting to see both of our takes on a film that one of us <laughs> has loved since we were a kid and one of us is saying for the first time. Um, because we do have similar tastes. Yeah. Um, not our, our Venn diagrams of movies aren't completely overlapping, but they're pretty close and what we don't love, we appreciate and I, we we've got a pretty good parameter of what the other person likes, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, one thing I just I'm poking around on IMDb once again. Can't take anything for sure, <laughs> but apparently they're making a. I don't know if it's necessarily a reboot or like a continuation of the story. Uh, uh, apparently, Jim Henson's daughter is producing it along with uh, Duncan Jones being uh, David Bowie's son. Oh, and they got Fetty Alvarez who directed "Don't Breathe" and the Evil Dead remake to direct it. Okay, so I don't know if this is true or not, but like hell, that could be cool. Yeah, um, if you haven't already seen it, look up that that Jim Henson short film from what was it, Storytellers or Story? Uh, yeah, let me let me write the title down. Oh, it was season one, episode one. Okay. Season one, episode one of Storytellers. Starring John Hurt as the storyteller. Which I'm guessing he was in all of them. 
I'll definitely check that. I'll probably I gotta do some dishes today when, as soon as I get off mic with you. So I'll probably okay. um, look into that. The the episode is the soldier and death. Okay. Very bizarre. So, um, since I think we're kind of winding down, um, I feel like there's more that we could probably say, but, you know, through distractions and everything. Right. Plus, like, and, you know. And I think we got a good conversation. And yeah. we hit all the points that I wanted to hit. As of right notes. now, the show's an hour 19. Once we cut out all the preamble and everything, it'll probably be a little bit shorter, but, you know, whatever. Like 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Yeah, probably. After probably. We're done. A good solid five minutes, and I'm only going to include the part where we're talking about Star Wars. Nice. <laughs> Uh, uh, should we kind of should we try to make soft plans of what next episode is going to be about? The Godfather. If you think if you if we can fit the Godfather in, we need to eventually knock that movie out. Yep. Buddy, you want what? Doc Queen. Okay, give me five minutes, okay, and I'll help you. All right. Well, and on that note, his son wants some sort of cream. Apparently. And uh, so we're going to wrap this up. We're going to try to get Godfather done for the next episode. It's a bit of a long watch. I watched it a couple months ago, so I'm probably going to have to rewatch it now at this point. Right. I think I watched it back when we did like Dirty Harry or Yore, (laughs) um, which is a couple episodes ago, almost three months ago. But, um, yeah, I think that's all I got for this week, Nick. Yeah, no, Labyrinth was a good watch. I did really enjoy it. it is one that I will most certainly watch again uh, and that I will play for my children. Um, and, and uh, yeah, no, it, was, it was a good watch. There's some, if you get, ever get a chance to get the Blu-ray, there's some good stuff on there about uh, all the puppeteering and behind-the-scenes stuff. They apparently okay. sh- they shoot a lot of shit behind the scenes. So. Nice. And uh, so, yeah, I recommend it. But um, this is this has been a weird structural episode, guys. Thank you for uh, putting up with us. Don't have any sponsors this week. But, um, yeah, I think that's all I got, Nick. All right, man. Uh, for, we'll hopefully catch Godfather next time. Um, but we'll, we'll see all you suckers in the near future. Brah. Yes, I will help you in a minute. <laughs> and on that note, have a good night, Nick. You too. Or good day. Just, yeah, that's all I got. A good everything. (laughs)